and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 71, The Hitcher from 1986. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times when we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd, as always, and on this very, very special episode, we will be looking at The Hitcher from 1986. Now, before I introduce my very, very special co-host, let's check out the trailer. Heading west on the long, lonely highway, only his dreams for company, until... My mother told me never to do this. Before many miles, he'll wish he'd taken his mom's advice. When Jim Halsey let the hitcher into his car, he opened the doors of hell. I want you to stop me. Once you've met the Hitcher, you'll never pick up another. My wallet's in my pocket. Shut up! We know how to do it. Jesus! Why are you doing this to me? Smart kid. Figure it out. I didn't do it. I didn't do any of it. I'm not a killer. This morning, this guy tried to kill me. He's been following me ever since. back ladies and gentlemen and i am joined by my very very special co-host it's been a little while it's been over a year in fact over a year so ladies and gentlemen clap your hands stamp your feet jangle your jewelry for the one the only gidget (laughs) von larue are you doing gidget oh darling i'm absolutely fantastic (laughs) i haven't caught the virus so i'm 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 doing peachy keen um so thank you thank you i know it's been too long it has It's been way too long yeah um, what was the last yep. one we did? Was it the cars oh, that good... That I it, yes, it it was. Um, oh, what were the other two that we did? Cars... That wasn't the main. Oh, Fright Night. Fright Night. That's right. Oh my god, it's been a year. Wow. This yeah. is the, and this will be episode 70, 72 for this show. So that's crazy. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I think and I think also Paul from um, Schlock Horror. Yes. Yeah. Was, Paul was on. Was yeah. on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
how time God, flies. Feels, that feels, I know, that feels like about 10 years ago. It feels crazy. But thank you very much for having no, me back no, on again. Please, thank, thank you for coming back on. You know, people oh, it's think a pleasure. People, we, people think that, you know, people have been released and say, actually, what we do, we trap them. They're trapped. Everybody gets trapped in some kind of like internet <laughs> hell, and we release them occasionally. So uh... well, you didn't trap me. You blackmailed me. So it's <laughs> kind of different, but it's working. So if you could release Colonel Kickhead, that would be great. <laughs> the, the dishes need doing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. someone needs to earn the money around here. <laughs> <laughs> now we are talking, um, uh, and I sort of like we were just saying just before we start recording. It, I've forgotten how good this film is. We are talking The Hitcher from 1986. 1986. That, 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 again, I always say this when I sort of you know, talk about the dates and things, but it was, you know, 86 that this came out. And this film still gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's still incredibly powerful. And it's just, it, it, it's an incredible film. It's an incredible film. I couldn't agree more. I, I love, thank you for suggesting this. Uh, eventually, Retro Cinema would have got around to it, but um, I'm so glad when you mentioned it. And I said, what movie? And you said, let's do The Hitcher. And I'm like, yes, because I remember really, really being frightened by it. It's very tense. It's got that that essence of the Steven uh, Spielberg movie, Duel. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. you got that same sort of tension, a bit sort of Zulu as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but it just right from the get-go, like it goes – it, there, there's no – it just grabs you from the very beginning. From the minute he picks him up in the car, Yeah, it's it's a roller coaster ride all the way through this movie. It doesn't let go until the very end and he lights that cigarette. And may I say there's a lot of smoking in this movie. So. Everybody, yeah, everybody smokes. Every, you could tell us the 80s. Everybody smokes. Everybody drinks. Um, yeah, no, that is, there is a lot of smoking in this. I think even for an 80s film, there is a lot of smoking in this. But yeah, then... and I don't blame them. Everyone's very tense. Yes. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's, and, and, you know, a lot of people can say, you know, obviously, Rutger Hauer is John Ryder. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it really is because he's such a good actor. Uh, yeah. It is his movie. He's fabulous in it. Of course, you know, obviously, Roy Batty and Blade Runner. And, and yeah. also, we uh, podcasted Lady Hawk. Yes. Who's Navari and Lady Hawk, which yeah. is a nicer role for him. It was a more pleasant, yeah. sympathetic role. Yes. Um, but, you know, he's he's obviously Dutch from the Netherlands. I can never yeah. work. Why aren't they called the Nethers? I don't think it quite works out. I just think it's just sort of, I don't know why. There is a reason. There is a reason that, and I can't remember. I remember watching something on the History Channel and it did explain it. And I can't remember really? why. But yeah, yeah the, but there is a reason behind it. It's sort of, you know, but I think, you know, I think it's quite, I don't think the Nethers... Has the same kind of uh, <laughs> kind of uh, vibe. I, I was about to say the same feel to it, but the same kind of vibe. I don't think. No, it has true. The same, yeah, true. But it's it always was... it's always confused me. But you know, but credit to see Thomas Howell in this movie as well as Jim Hazley because he is fabulous. And you know, I'd seen I saw this movie before I saw The Outsiders. Right, him as Pony Boy yes. in 1983. Yes. Um. So I'd seen this first. And then, of course, he he had a, a bit role in E.T. the Extraterrestrial as well. Yeah. And he was in Red Dawn. And I thought, I love oh. Red Dawn. I love Red yeah, Dawn. Yeah, I do too. It's yeah, I do too. Film. I think it's great. Um, and they've remade it, I think. And they remade this as well. I think there's a 2000. And- yeah, Sean Bean plays the Rick Howell role. Um, and the less said, the better. 
So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. Not... That's what my partner said. I haven't seen it. He's seen it, and he's I just mean... like, yeah. He just couldn't come up to the performance of Rutger Hauer. No. and it's not saying he's a bad actor, but unfortunately, Rutger Hauer made this movie iconic. Oh, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. Yeah, to try and do it, do it again. There are just some movies that don't need to be remade, and especially, you know, as you and I were talking about beforehand, it was quite hard to get a hold of this, but once we got a hold of it, they've remastered it, and it looks fabulous. So why yeah. would you remake something when you can just go back and watch the 1986 one? I've got it on, um, it's quite an early DVD. It's like a two-disc DVD of it, and it looks absolutely stunning. I've got one of these players that, like, upscales it. Uh-huh. Um, and the, just the sort of... The cinematography in this is absolutely stunning. Now, this was directed by uh, Robert Harmon, um, who has, you know, really, really interesting sort of uh, career. Um, and like lots of his films have lots of these very beautiful open vistas to them. Um, he did China Lake uh, right. in 83, um, which is a great serial killer film. Great serial killer film. If you, it, oh, it, I have it, to check it out. It's quite a, it's, it's 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 quite a rarity. I tell you who is in it. Um, it's Charles Napier, um, and ah. he's he's um, he's really really good in it. But it's got again, it's got these great open sort of barren vistas type uh, type landscapes. He did um, the Jean Claude Van Damme film Nowhere to Run, which is set in the desert. So he's got right. a bit. Of, you know, he's got a bit of. Um, He's got a bit of a history with this, and he's done loads and loads and loads of um, work with uh, Tom Selleck. Um, and oh, he directed okay. lots of the uh, Jesse Stone uh, straight TV films um, with Tom Selleck, and he's directed lots of episodes of Blue Bloods. So he's okay. Sort of, so he's sort of, you know, I mean, he's, he's a very, very, you know, I think he's a, he's a much underrated director. I think he really Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And I think yeah, the... and look, and, and credit for him. You said this, you know, the visuals are fabulous in it. Well, that the cinematography was done by an Australian, John Seal. Yes. Now he he of course won the Oscar for the English Patient, uh, but he also did the cinematography on uh, uh, Witness, uh, Rain Man, Dead Poets Society, Gorillas in the Mist. Witness. Yeah, is, is and fabulous. his. Oh, you'll have to come on with this because we're about to do Witness pretty soon, I would say. Oh, uh, and his last his last movie, a cinematographer, was Mad Max Fury Road. So not a shabby no. career at all. Do you know what? I'm going to say yeah. something really controversial now. I'll do it. I hate the English patient. <laughs> you and Elaine from Seinfeld. I hate it. It's so boring. <laughs> and no, and it's the most dislikable characters Ever. Don't get me wrong. Ray finds his performance in it is it, it, fantastic. But he's shit. To be, fair, to be fair, he's fantastic in everything he's in. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. like Sam Rockwell. They're, they're, even if it's, you don't love the movie, you, you can't not appreciate their performance yes. in the movie. But look, you're not alone. There's heaps of people. That, it's, it's, like, it's, my, it's like my hate for Chariots of Fire. Do you know, again, you know, I dislike Chariots of Fire. Way well oh, done. They're running across a beach. Yeah, well whoop de do. Yeah, he's yeah, pe- exactly. Look at, look at them in their PE kit. Wonderful. Oh, piss off. And look, I'm and I'm not it's I'm just... not against slow. I'm not against slow moving movies by any means. You know, I'm I'm not against that. But if, if I'm watching a film and I'm starting to like look at the wall, going, oh, that needs painting again, doesn't it? And oh, there's a spider web up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if I start drifting away, it's like it's not holding me. And as I said, I I don't mind a slow paced oh, movie. But but look, I, I didn't mind the English Patient, but 
you know, I, I think trust so. me, you're not, you're not alone. You're just, not alone. People say about chariots of fire, people say, oh, it's glacial paced. No, 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 glaci- glaciers move quicker than chariots of fire. You yeah, it's know. more, it's more, it's more glazed over as yes. in your face when you're watching it. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those things where you, you know, you put it on and you just sort of suddenly you go, oh god, that's like it's been on for ten hours. I, I've aged. <laughs> yeah. I've aged. I've got or, grey hair. Or, Why have or I? You, or you, you just want that two hours back that you <laughs> just wasted <laughs> watching something. You know, I feel that with so many. But I felt that about Gravity. <laughs> I oh. was just like, oh, I want my time back that I just wasted watching that. And and we sat through Cats as well, and that was oh my waste. god. Yeah, but oh. we just, you know what? We watched it ironically. We knew it was terrible, but we wanted to see how terrible. I love the fact uh, that and, there's all this controversy now that apparently there's a bumhole cut somewhere reeking oh, I saw that. about somewhere. So which is just nobody ever wants to see James James Corden's bumhole, but you know that's that's just uh, yeah or Rebel Wilson's bumhole. Uh, no, uh, no, or or Sir Dame Maggie's bumhole. No, thank you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but speaking, it must be a joke. It must be a joke though. It's got. It has um, to be somewhere. Yeah, but speaking of you know, when we look at the time in the films, the Hitcher is ninety-seven minutes long. It doesn't feel like that at all. It no, just it, it feels quicker. Yes, and every yeah. and and it doesn't hang about. This film no. does not hang about because what within the first four minutes, um, see Thomas Howell picks up Ritka Howell's um, character, and it's just. From that moment, from, you know, he picks up John Ryder, and from the second that he gets in that car, it's like there's tension. Yeah, this is, this is not right, and it's like you know. And what I love about C. Thomas Howell's character in this is he is clearly just the nicest, clean-cut, naive teenager that they could possibly find to be to, to play this part. Because he does it yeah. so well, and the second that he says, "My mother told me never to do this," you just think, "Why didn't you listen? Yeah. Why didn't you <laughs> listen?" See, this is part of the uh, the whole, and and more so, his his reasoning for picking up a hitchhiker. And we all know people don't pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially if they're a grown man. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but he was said he was falling asleep because he's he's driving that car. It's not his own car. It was just a car that needed to be moved from one location to another. He was on a list, so he would put his name on the list because he wanted to move to California. Yes. Um. So it, it's it, and I'm sure they still do that now. It's it's not a bad way to go unless the person's a bad driver and they smash the car. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bad bad luck, really. Uh. You better you better checking yourself on a bus. Really, these things never end well. Um. But he he is incredibly natural, and not only that. It's it's still not a long movie. It's, it's for a movie. It's quite a short movie. Movies are way too long these days. They just drag them out. Yeah. Um. Make do what you need to do. Make them punchy. You know. But this this is less than uh. To, as you said, it's what's less than two, nearly less than one hour, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just 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 over. It's about an hour. It works. But I think it's about an hour and ten. Um, yeah, and 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 it just it just never yeah it never it never lets you go. But the, the biggest mistake. As he said, he was falling asleep, so he yeah. was picking the hitchhiker up to maybe keep him company or maybe share the load of the driving, yes. perhaps. But straight out of the gate, uh, John Ryder, Rudy Cow's character, is just acting weird as, and of course, there's that Volkswagen. He's obviously he confesses yeah. straight away, like he's not holding anything back. Yeah, you know, oh. and that and that scene when he puts the knife 
to see Thomas Howell's face. See, Thomas Howell was instantly frightened of Rutger Howell when he met him, and that that he was going off the cuff with that. And and see, Thomas Howell said, from the minute he did that, I was terrified of him. Yeah, oh god, I mean, you know, you know, you, I, it's that even though you know it's acting when you have this somebody because you know in terms of Rutger Howell, he's very very intense, very mm. very intense. Even in Lady Hawk, he's intense. Um, yes. You know, and suddenly he's improvising and he's got a knife next to your eye. Now, even if it's a, a, a blunted blade, that's still something that you really, really don't want anywhere near you. And those lines where he's talking about um, what when you, when you puncture the eye and those kind of things, he made that's improvised. That's all yeah. improvised on the spot. So I, I can imagine, you know, because see, Thomas Howell must have been what, early 20s? Yeah, I, I, from the look of him, he looks about 20, 21, I would say. And, and yeah, that fear on his face is genuine fear because, you know, people have their eyes punched, punched out by glass in a fire or, you know, a, a branch or something yeah. like that. They're very, very volatile eyes and, yeah, I, I would be frightened. But worse still is the family then after C. Oh. Thomas Howell goes, no, you're not going to kill me, you're not going to take my legs, my arms and my yeah, head, yeah, yeah, chop yeah. my head off, pushes him out. Uh, of the car, and then uh, it's just so beautifully written. And and next thing you know, there's this family that drives past in their, yeah. you know, the family station wagon towing the boat. Yes. And they've got little kids in there. Why would you have picked this man up? And if you were going to do it, make him ride in the boat. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about that scene, and it's just so creepy, is that the kids are all playing. See Thomas, I was playing back, and then the bear appears. Yeah. The little bear appears and starts waving. And then, <laughs> and then Ritger Howard's face appears. It's so dark. It is yeah. sort of it's that what we and your heart sinks because you kind of get this sort. Of, you know, I remember seeing this film uh, for the first time and going, "Oh my god!" But even rewatching this film, every time I see that little bear appear, my heart still goes because it's like, "Oh no." He's in the I, car. And, I, and I'd, I'd, for, I'd forgotten it. I'd forgotten it, but I'm thinking they're filming this for a reason. Oh, he's behind the bear, isn't he? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's in the car behind the bear. But, you know, as again, as I said, why Why when you've got two little kids, yeah. would you go, oh, yeah, we'll give you a, a lift. So they get killed. Um, yes. Yes. And, yeah. he, and, 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 you know, if, if, if um, Jim Hazley yeah. was a – more of a, you know, I don't care about anybody type. He would have just like gone, yeah, okay, they're dead, I'm alive, and just driven on. But he does try and warn them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that and that's the thing, isn't it? All the way along, he tries to do the right thing. The right thing. I mean, he does some dumb things. Yes, he yes. certainly does some dumb things. And I don't know whether you noticed this or not. I wrote it down somewhere because I thought it was really funny. Um, if you notice all through the movie, whenever he puts, like he often, when he thinks he's in the clear, he puts his hands in front of his face like that sort of, yes. oh, thank God. And every time he does it, something bad happens. Well, he, the classic example is when he's, you know, at the petrol station just after he's, you know, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to use the phone and then suddenly the four by four car smashes through the petrol yeah. station and then it's engulfed yeah. in flames and you just think and that the sort of awful moment where he realizes as well he's covered in petrol yeah and, and he exactly just... and then and then in the same scene when he's actually in the the diner yes 
and and he puts his hands in front of his face. Next thing you know, when he brings his hands down, there's Woodcow's character sitting directly across him, and that's when he puts the 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 grabs him and puts the coins. Yeah. Because he's like, why are you doing this to me? And it's like, well, you pushed me out of a car, dude. I'm not very happy about it. Yeah. Um, but then again, you did say you were going to kill him. So, eh, you can weigh it up, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 and I've seen that in a couple of movies. I do know what that meant. You know, when he, like, licked the coins and put them in his eyes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know whether you've seen the movie From Hell. Yes. The Robert Downey, uh, sorry, the Johnny Depp character yes. yeah. does it all the time as well. And it's basically... Uh, it's transporting the dead souls yes. to pay Sharon, the boatman, who yes. would actually eventually carry the dead across the river Styx. Yes. It's basically a, yeah, a Greek and Latin um, myth. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically to take you from the world of the living to the world of the dead. So it's a, actually a very symbolic thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's sort of um, – and you see it in lots of Westerns as well. Um, they sort of – you see lots of people with the coins in their eyes when they're in their um, – where they're in the – the sort of the Undertaker's window. Um, the, yes, it, it appears on quite a few of those sort of um, quite a few of those moments. And again, that's a really dark scene. Yes, that is a really really dark scene where that he's got hold of him and he's put those coins on him. It's and what I love about that scene is the fact that you know C. Thomas O. thinks he's got the upper hand because he's yeah got with his the gun. gun. He's got yeah. his gun. And, and I had to, that's why it was good that I watched it and then I rewatched it again because I'm like, how does uh, Roy, uh, Roy Rutger Hauer's character know that there's no bullets in the gun? Because he took the gun from the dead cop. Yes. In the, in the police station that had been massacred. Yes. So while he's been asleep in that jail cell, uh, John Ryder has had time to get in there, kill the three cops. There's only three cops there. Yeah. Kill the, kill the three cops. Um, and then he would have either taken the gun away or he's put the gun back in the cop's hand but emptied it of the bullets and yeah. taken the bullets. So yeah. he knew very well. So I'm like, ah, okay, all right. When I watch this the second time again, I went, ah, okay, that makes that all makes sense now. It's just how methodical in this. But the other question that you must ask yourself is this. See, so, Thomas Howell's character slept through all of that slaughter. Well, he was pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> There are three like, poli- like he was he was already falling asleep the night before while he was driving his car, which is the reason. So, you know, and he was still having nightmares and he did wake up with the bang. But it doesn't look – I had to look carefully the next time I watched it. They didn't look like they'd been – they'd been more gutted. Yes, yeah. Than anything. I, I, they didn't look shot in the head. They look like either by a shotgun. It's like that – sh- yeah. you know how everything blows out when you've been shot by a shotgun. And also yeah. – it looked like they'd been shot from behind because that's where the explosion comes out. If you shot from behind, it comes from the front. Yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Oh, and the and the, the where the German shepherd come from? First of all, and next of all, the, the German shepherd's actually eating the dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to rub a bit of salt in that wound there. Oh wow, it's, wow, yeah. It's there's some there's some dark bits in this, and the, I think the weird thing is you you're with. Uh, Jim the whole time. You you oh, feel absolutely. the fear and all that. Even absolutely. though there's a few things I'm like, oh Jim, don't do that. You you know? Yeah. Like I'm I'd be so worried after that first experience. Yes. Pushing him out and seeing that he's killed the previous people in the, the V dub and then they've killed the families got no trouble about killing kids. I'd be on the move constantly. I wouldn't I am the world's best I can't run, so I'm the world's best hider. So yeah. I would be I would be <laughs> hiding out. I'd be hiding out behind one of those rocks in the hills 
for about three weeks. Yeah. Oh, I'd you probably see starved me. to death before I came out because I can't run. But, you know, it, there's bits where you're going, oh, why are you doing that? But yeah. in the time when you, when you, if you experience, you know, most people don't experience something like this. So well, a lot of the time you're in shock. Do you know what? You know, I, I can honestly, I can, and this is a true story. I had a Hitcher-esque moment. Uh, oh, really? When I was younger. What didn't involve picking up a hitcher, um, I was driving back um, from Cardiff very, 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 very late at night. Right. And um, I lived uh, I lived in a little village um, called Hirwine, which is, and I came, you know, basically the one road you can take, you, it was just sort of, it's a quicker road, but it takes you up quite a long stretch. Um, up over the top of what we call like the like a, a long stretch of road called um, uh, by what's called Barverstocks, which used to be an old hotel, but it's it's, it's something else now. But right. early hours of the morning, nothing there. And um, as I was driving, sort of, I think it must have been about two, three o'clock in the morning. And as I was driving over, um, there was a car just in the middle of the road, like so where you got like you can cross over, so that you know, mm. cars go. So it was like in like the island part. There, no, no lights on. So oh, that's a bit odd. So I was carried on driving. Next thing you know, this car comes screaming out behind me and quite literally pulls right up along the side of me. And then just in front, there was a car and that suddenly slammed its brakes on in front of me and they'd quite literally boxed me in. Oh, God. Um, so you can imagine now I'm thinking, oh, I, just abs- my heart is in my mouth thinking what am I about? I yeah. I think I'm only about 19, 18, 19, something like that when it's, <gasps> when it's happening. And they're all yeah. screaming. You know, this guy starts screaming, you're following us, you're following us. And really, I'm like, I'm not following you. Honestly, I'm not following you. I'm uh, just driving. <laughs> and I, so I thought, Do you know what? I'm I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to put on a brave face here. So I, so I started giving him a little bit of lip back, which wasn't the best thing to do. And no. um, I thought, you know what? I'm, so I pretended to get out of the car. So I thought maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll frighten him. I don't know what was going on there. However, the guy in the other car got out and he was the biggest, scariest, steroid-taking type oh T-shirt. Oh, my God. Anyway, I sort of, I would like to say I handled it in a manly moment, but I, I think I kind of let out a bit of a girly scream, jumped in the car. <laughs> and at the time, I had like this this Fiat Punto. Yeah, <laughs> and it was—it's not like one of the really nice, you know, nice new ones like the new, you know, that, that are out now. This was one of the old. This was like a a step up from a like a Chigurecento, so it was like a a sardine tin, essentially. <laughs> um, and I managed to like slam it into reverse, and somehow I got out. I got away from him, and I must have done about. I think I managed to get the car up to about 110. I think. Yeah, it's amazing how quick you, you suddenly don't see. You actually think. I wouldn't mind being pulled over by the cops because at least they're the cops. Yeah. Um, needless to say, my car like shook itself to bits. It didn't like it a couple of weeks later, then burst into flames. But, um, <laughs> I was going to say, is it like the cop car at the end of the Blues Brothers? Yeah, it's just, it wasn't like, far you finally off. get to the destination and it all just falls apart. Yeah, but I, uh, so I got, I got, you know, I got in. I was, you know, shaking like a shitting dog, and um, <laughs> the uh, you sort of speak, to, you know, we we speak, to, you know, and sort of phone the police and everything else, and it turned out that I walked, I must have sort of accidentally meandered into a drug deal that had gone off horribly wrong oh yeah <laughs> yeah so oh my god yeah so i quite palpable are moments in this where you where you can see how easy it is abandoned roads middle of nowhere how these yeah pe- oh yeah 
Yeah, it's it's it is it's you know it's quite a it's quite a you know this film does strike a sort of um, strike a chord. Uh, uh, yeah, on on quite a visceral level, and you can see sort of how poor Jim in this is that sort of like oh my god, I'm completely you know no idea what I'm doing here. I'm out of my depth, and every time yeah. that I try to show a little bit of like a bit of chutzpah, um, yeah, it doesn't. My gun isn't loaded. Or... <laughs> well, 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 the thing is, most people don't walk out of their house unless you're that sort of aggressive type that you're just looking out, you go out for trouble. You know those yeah, types? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just yeah. like, oh, wherever I go, I'm going to get into a buffet with somebody or I'm going to go to the pub and pick a fight. You know, it's sort of aggressive. Or people that just go out and are full-time criminals. Yes. That's all they've ever done. That's all they ever do. So most of us normal people, yeah, you don't go out expecting this stuff would happen. But yeah. it does happen. You know, I used to watch that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive, or one of those, or I was, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. Watch, I, I was Prey. You know, and, you know, you've got a father and they go camping and there's lots of people around and all of a sudden he wakes up and a bear's chewing on his leg. Yeah. Well, you don't normally, ex- you know, so you're not ready for it. It's not, you know, when police go out every day, they're ready for anything and they have to be because yes. they're, they're faced with all different types of things and I guess same with people that work in hospitals all that. But most of us norms, yeah, which, yeah, you know, we not. just expect our life is going to be pretty safe. You know, a guy isn't going to come busting into the house and shoot us up in our bed or, you know, I'm not going to go out and get dragged into a car. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't. So if you're not ready for it, and that's, and that's why C. Thomas Howe's performance in this is so great. Not only that, it's you see – the development of his character all yeah. the way yeah. through it. The, the man at the end is a very different man compared to the boy at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And I think what I love, what's really interesting about this and doing and, and do the research and those kind of things, there are sort of, um, there's loads of different theories about is, you know, John Ryder's character, is he alive? Is he a go? Is he, you know, I'm, he's very firmly alive. You know, it's, it's absolutely, it's quite, absolutely. But it's, yeah. you know, but, this is a film. I think it's a film about change, and the Hitcher, the character, you know, John Ryder's character, is he's the harbinger of change, and that yeah. actually what he wants is because he talks about in the, being in the car. He talks about wanting to be, wanting to be stopped. He wants somebody to stop him, and yeah. it's actually you know, and and Jim, in so many ways is the perfect vessel for that because actually he does take action he, even though he's terrified and he at the beginning he kicks him out to the car and then things um i don't know if the word escalate kind of sums up uh, well it's what... it's a weird sensation because i don't even though uh john Ryder, the red character does dreadful things to him and to other people all the way through this movie you still don't really hate him Like, you know what I mean? You don't hate him at the end. And he gives Jim plenty. I think the whole thing was when he said to Jim, say, I want to die um, or whatever, and and Jim, luckily there wasn't the seatbelt law at that time. No one wears the seatbelt apart from once. Yes. Once. And we should say as well, Jennifer Jason Lee is in this movie. She plays Nash. She's got a character development as well from just this girl that catches the bus to this very remote um, cafeteria type, you know, diner. Yes. Uh, she gets there first, turns all the lights on, and she she initi- she helps him. She, see, I would never have let him in. 
Yes. Per- personally, but I'm I'm an old, older, and I think the older you get, the more protective you are of yourself. Because <laughs> I would think, well, I don't know this guy from a piece of soap. So no, it's I, just somebody I, shows up, you know, before you open up, smelling a petrol and looking a bit rough, covered covered in a bit of blood and all that. It's yeah. like it's, you know, maybe if it was like a twelve year old girl, I'd be like, oh, honey, I'll help you. And yeah. I know that sounds really harsh, but you've got to self preserve as well. Yeah. Um, but luckily, she does help him because we know he's not the baddie. She yes. does help him. And and it was funny when he goes into the bathroom. I'm thinking, oh, I had to remind myself. I'm like, does she die now or does she die later? And we yeah. should say spoilers. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but her her death's the worst at the end. It's the worst. But actually, this was it was actually written by Eric Reed or yeah, Red. Red. And he thought of it when he was actually on a road trip from New York City to Austin, Texas, mm. and he and the Doors song "Riders on the Storm" came on. I love on. the song. I love that song. I love the song. I love the Doors. I love the song. And and he was just riding on. And sometimes that's the best time to think that you're just by yourself in the car, having a bit of a long drive. Absolutely. You know, and you got some good music on, some good tunes, and it just ticked away in his head, and he just thought of it. But this was actually meant to be a lot more violent. Uh, I'm oh. going to I read this out so I get it right. Yeah. Uh, the original script was long enough to make a three-hour movie. Scenes that were never filmed include uh, Ryder slaughtering the entire family. They were actually going to show it. Yeah. An eyeball appearing in the hamburger. This was replaced in Finger in the French, fl- yeah. French Fries. A graphic sex scene between Gail Galston, the girl before Nash, and Jim. I, I don't know who that was. Yeah. And, and obviously that was edited out. And, and a character being decapitated. So it underwent some rewrites. They made some changes. Yeah. Just like we don't – I'm glad we don't get to see when Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Nash, is so, – do you think that that led to that because she phoned – remember he said when they're in the motel, don't make any phone calls, don't phone your father, yeah. don't phone anyone until we know what we're doing. She pretends to be asleep. He goes in for a shower and she secretly phones her dad. I don't yeah. know how because there's not way, no way John Ryder could suddenly be at a dad's house. No, but I think it's, the, it's sort of the universal. It's it's that sort of the, the, the sort of the movie universe, isn't it? You break the rules, and some somehow you sort of you pay for that. It goes bad. And yeah, I think, and know, boy, why... boy, does she? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, um, it's. But that's the other thing, right? So the, the cops finally realise that it's not Jim, and he's been through hell. Let's t- if you haven't seen The Hitcher, watch The Hitcher. <laughs> you and I recommend it strongly. If you can get it, get it. It's it's really a bloody good movie. Um. But he's been through hell, and so the cops, she, she's disappeared. He runs out, yeah. and it's like a trucker's, trucker's yard. Turns out that John Ryder, Rutgerhauer, has grabbed her. Oh, and that's creepy when he's in the room and he yes. gets in bed with her and she grabs his hand. Oh, it's so like creepy. Although I do fancy Rutgerhauer. So, eh. um, <laughs> so <laughs> but what he's done is he's, kid, he's kidnapped Nash, Jennifer Jason Lee character, and he's then tied her. Yes. To the 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 the, the what do you, what do you call it the front cabin yes the, the yeah, main yeah, driving yeah, vehicle yeah, yeah. yes and the trailer that it's meant and she's the toe in between yes and the cops realise that they can't shoot him because he'll take his foot off the brake yes uh, so they grab Jim and they're like Jim can you go and and talk to him because our hands are tied we can't go anywhere near or anything but I kept thinking that whole time that Jim got in the cabin and he's doing that whole gun thing you know shoot yeah. me or whatever. I'm thinking he's being distracted. The cops could have just snuck in, yes, untied her. I, it, I think it's and... fair to say that the cops in this are useless. Oh my god, they're useless. the worst police ever. Like he's done when he comes out when the cops first 
he, he walks out of that diner when he's first met Nash. He yes. walks out of the diner. He's, he's not armed or anything like that. And they're that gung-ho. Although I I do like because Nash said, oh, good luck finding the cops because last time a guy was shot, it took 40 minutes yes. for the cops to come out here. All of a sudden the cops are in action. There's cops everywhere. There's choppers, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 police cars and all that. So that's obviously changed. Yes. Um, but the, the, those two yokel cops – Show up and they just instantly assume he's the killer. Not even asking. See, this is this is the annoying thing. And I know he's a young man. Yeah. I would have eventually. I would have yelled out, "I'm Jim Hazley. I'm the person that called you." Yes. Well, why, he would does. I, why would I? Why would I? Why would I call you if I was the killer? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean. So he 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 stays quiet on a lot of things that are very. You're just like, oh, just say it. Just just open your mouth and 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 say it. Yeah, but again, yeah. you know, as we've said, he's twenty twenty one. So yeah, yeah, and and the, for me, the awful bit is where they're on the bus, and the police pull the bus over, and that cop is mm. trying to get him to look like that he's going for his gun, so he has the excuse to shoot him. Yeah, that's oh yeah, he was. Awful I, I, scene. I thought I I'd forgotten. I had forgotten, and I know that there are bad everything out there. I'm not just going to say bad cops. Most cops are absolutely amazing, but there's bad seeds in every industry. Yes. Um. So, but these guys, I don't think they're terribly busy. Yes. Where they are. Yeah. Uh, and as that as that dreadful police, horrible police officer said, you know, you killed my friend. So he's he's not going to wait for this thing to go to trial. He's going to do his own, you yeah. know, yeah, his yeah, own yeah. justice sort of thing. And I'm and I'd forgotten. I'm thinking, oh God, how does he get out of this? He's like, you spat on me. You wipe it off my hands. So that, you know, and yeah. even the other cops going, come on, dude, you know, <laughs> calm down a bit. You know, this, this really, we should arrest him and yeah, all yeah, let's, yeah. This is, and, 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 you know, the other thing, you know, I was waiting for the other cop to go, hey, uh, Bob, you realise you're being watched by a busload of yeah. tourists. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're all watching. If that was these days, they'd all be filming it. So yeah. that stuff would all be on someone's mobile camera. But then when Nash steps up, she grabs the gun that he's thrown out of the bus. Yeah. And, you know, she knows all these cops. Yes. As well, and and can I say credit? Fantastic car stunts in this, like some. Oh, it's amazing! The, the, the drive... really good crashes. Oh, and the you know the, the 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 helicopter scene is is just. I mean, I did find the helicopter scene just sort of how the fact that Ritger Hauer just manages to shoot a helicopter out of the sky <laughs> um, with one hand whilst driving over a bumpy and smoking and smoking. <laughs> Now, I've got to be honest, I've tried driving and eating a sandwich. And, you know, I've got to be honest, you know, nobody should try that ever. But, no, no. you know, it's. I'm not... very much a two hands on the wheel person, always. Always two hands on the wheel. My father taught me that, and that's how I drive. But um, fair play to, to Rickerhauer smoking, driving over bumpy terrain, and shooting, uh, you know, and shooting, shooting down... a helicopter out of the sky. Now, yeah. that's some skills. That is yeah. And he did his own driving. Yes. Rutger Howard did all his own stunt driving. So, you know, the dude's a champ. Really, Absolutely. he is. He, he throws him. He throws himself into it. And I love the fact, I don't know whether you've seen that Brad Pitt movie with Juliet Lewis and California. David Duchovny, yeah. California. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant that's, film. That's, uh, that Roy's Motel and Cafe. Yes. I'm thinking, where where is that film? Because I've watched California so many times. Yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt's a good-looking dude, but in that movie, he is, is early Greece. He's just repulsive. And, again, that's another movie that reminded me of this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a drive from here to there with 
complete danger surrounding you the whole time. Yeah, and I mean, it's the other one is Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Yes. Great film. Yes, I haven't watched that for ages. Great but yeah, that Royce Motel and Cafe was in California as well. It's in um, Amboy, California. Wow. So it's, I think it's on the old Route 66, but that's now been changed to something else. Right. But it's, been, it's, it's, now, it's actually a, a historic site. It's been used in that many movies and TV shows that that Royce Motel and Cafe, which is not actually still functioning, yeah. but they, they can't um, – it's a, an historic site. It's been preserved. Wow. So it's – yeah, that's, it's somewhere amazing. to go. And, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, you want to go on a road trip, Hugh? Um, possibly not on that stretch, but because um, I've already, you know, explained my luck driving on abandoned roads. Um, you know, I, bearing in mind, I've got enough. I've got enough. Either Hugh or I could drive you in America anyway. So the the, the the station, the driving wheels on the wrong side. You'll drive on the wrong side of the road over yeah. there in America. Crazy. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, I got enough problems driving from Cardiff to Hirwine, which is about, you know, 25, 30 miles. Imagine me trying <laughs> to drive 130 miles with, you know, with a with a population that is it's nice. To, you know, don't get me wrong. They're all armed. So, I'm, you know, it, <laughs> something's going to go wrong at some point. It's going to go wrong. I so want to do that, too. I want to do that. If I win the, if I win the lotto, I so want to do the drive around America. Yes. I want to see every. I've seen a lot of them, you know, I've been to LA a lot, I've been to New York a lot, um, but I, I, I really want to see a lot of the less touristy states of America. Yes. So if someone wants to sponsor me, go for it. I'll come visit you, I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, going back to the car stunts, uh, it reminded me of um, Mad Max, The Road Warrior, the second one. Yeah, absolutely. Just really authentic Although I can never understand why there was that scene with the two cop cars and yeah. they're shooting the crap out of the cop car yes. that Jim and Nash have taken, like the doors off. I, yeah, I love the fact that the door is missing. Yeah. That the, 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 the door is gone. And it, and the way that after the two cars just are completely smashed to pieces because it, it is – What I don't get is why do they flip? Because I know like he slams the brake on, right, yes. which is quite smart because he's not able to outrun them because – and the two cop cars go by, and just at that time, one of the cops fires his shotgun, and it shoots the other car's tire. Yes. But then both of them flip, like several times they flip. And I, I always thought that you, the car needed to go up something to flip properly. I'm not too sure. I think, but it's, I, I thought it, it's more dramatic. It looked more dramatic, I absolutely. suppose. Absolutely, and I'm sure some physics will explain it at some point. But the. Um... <laughs> But I love the way that Jim just sort of very casually there, because the car is in pieces, just like manoeuvres, <laughs> manoeuvres very slowly between the, the burning wrecks and just like slowly drives <laughs> off yeah. into the distance. I mean, it's a wonderful shot. It looks fantastic. It, it is a fantastic looking shot. But it's yeah, just it's the a fact It's a beautiful looking movie. It really is a really stunningly beautiful looking, yes. like California. Yes. Um, uh, it's a really nice looking film and nothing's filmed for no reason every there's something oh, it's happening beautiful. All... it's beautiful yeah. and, and what i love about this and we, i was talking about this with derek yesterday and um when we were doing the howling episode and we were talking about there is something about sh- fi- movies that are shot on film now we don't shoot on film now because everything is shot digitally um, and I know Spielberg is one of the, and Scorsese, I think, are the very last, I think actually it's more Spielberg now, one of the very, very last people to still shoot using film. Um, yep. But 
Um, and I'd never, you know, I'd never have the balls to shoot on film because once you've shot it, you can't just go click delete because that went wrong. This, you know, this, you know, these, you know, once you shoot it, it's there for posterity that you can't do anything about it. And it's so expensive and everything has to be right. But there's yeah. something about these films being shot and then shot on film and the wide vista and it just looks beautiful. And there are moments that everything in this is perfectly framed and we go from the sort of the very, very tense up close and personal moments like with the knife in the eye, the the scenes mm. in the cafe, the you know the, the, the you know the scene where he's having that conversation with, you know, before Jennifer, um, Jason Lee's character sort of... Um, gets torn in half i suppose you, you get that, yeah. that, 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 that the close-up intensity of that and then you get these wide vistas it is beautiful it is absolutely yep. be- and the colors and and, and and again credit to john seal you know he does he is an incredibly skilled cinema cinematographer um i need to look up now i'm pretty sure mad max fury road which again as i said was his last movie yes, that it was. he was a cinematographer yeah. on was filmed on film yes yeah, I think, and yeah. that again, another visually stunning. I mean, Gorillas in the Mist is one of my favourite '80s movies, and it's just visually beautiful. And he's filming real silverback gorillas in that yeah. as well. Um, but that's a visually beautiful um, movie. And again, we we've uh, just recorded. We had guest uh, '80s Hog on right. for Dead Poets Society, which I don't know when you're releasing this, but uh, this. Thursday, I can't remember what the date is, but we're releasing Dead Poets Society with uh, Angry Man, myself, and 80s Hog. Yeah. It's a stunning-looking movie. That's all we, it's all we could talk about. And then we, I love looking these things up and you go, oh, what else has John Seale done? And you look through the list and you go, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. It all makes sense that, yeah. that you know, people would want to work with this man. Uh, he's got such a, a wonderful eye. And even when they're just filming a building in this movie, it looks good. Oh, yeah. Even if it's a run-down building with the dust swirling around it and everything, it still looks great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, one of the things is, and speaking of another great-looking film, um, the part of the reason why Jennifer Jason Lee wanted to do The Hitcher is she just finished working with Rick Hauer on Flesh and Blood. Um, I remember that movie. It's, it's I remember very it. I think it, brutal. Very yeah, brutal. Yeah, didn't it, didn't it flop? And it's got a couple of Aussies in it as well, I think. Uh, Jack uh, Jack Thompson yes. is in that, Yeah, I think. Right. And, uh, oh, God, who's man from Snow River? Tom Berlinson. Yes. Tom Tom Berlinson is in it as well. Yeah, yes. I remember. I haven't seen that since the oh, 80s. I need to. It's a great film. Um, it is, and I, and I love it. It's, a re- it's really dark and dirty, and uh, Rooker Howard plays a medieval mercenary in it. Um and Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. And, and part of the reason why she wanted to do this, she had such a good time working with him on that. Um, oh, okay. That she wanted to come back and work with him um, on this one. And Oh, I just Googled it. Yeah. Um, Paul Verhoeven directed yes. it. Yeah, yeah, it was Paul his Verhoeven. first movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So he's he's Dutch as well, isn't he? So yeah, that's yeah. maybe why you got Ricky Hauer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, I think it's his second or third. I think it's his first sort of English movie Paul Verhoeven he'd think, uh, before okay. that he'd work with Ritger Hauer on um, Soldier of Orange um, oh, okay. Second World War uh, film um, but you know Flesh and Blood is um, it's not an easy film to watch but it is absolutely stunning to look at but in a completely different way in that in the Hitcher we get these beautiful wide 
barren deserts and those kind of things. And then we get the blood and the muck and the gore of um, medieval Europe. And yeah. the contrast in the two films and the contrast in two performances, actually, because Rickerhauer in that is kind of like an anti-hero in that in in that film, in that he's, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a bloodthirsty mercenary, but he's still quite a good guy. Actually, underneath it, he's got redeemable features. I think good guy. Well, it's be. a bit. It's a bit like his character in Blade Runner. You never yes. really hate Roy Batty. No, you you feel for Roy Batty. I mean, he's the the enemy of of um, Harrison Ford, but he's you, you can't help but like him. And it's a bit like um, Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Oh, you, you just... they're likable villains. You can't help but like them. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, and he's a bit like that in this movie as well. You don't. You're frightened of him. He's certainly the most frightening in this movie. Oh, I, I think, think. I, I looked yeah. through all his movies and I went, yeah, this one. He's the most frightening. But still, you don't hate him at the end. <laughs> no, no. And I th- and the ending was changed as well for this. Um, oh really? Yeah, because um, obviously Jim sort of you know he, he goes after him. Um, because he knows that he's going to escape and he's going to get away, so he takes um, Estridge's revolver, who's played brilliantly by Jeffrey Dimon in this. Um, and of course, Jeffrey Dimon is um, an alumni of um, Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont, and yeah. actually, and he's in one of my favourite films, really underrated TV movie called The Haunted. Uh, Jeffrey Dimon. Oh. Uh, it's really, really good. It's really, you know, some of it's a bit cheesy and a bit, you know, but it's, it, but it's, it's a really good TV movie. Um, well, it's funny because last night I was just watching The Green Mile. Yeah, I was just watching The Green Mile, and I'm looking at him because he was one of the the ones that were one of the officers that worked on The Green Mile. Yeah, um, in the film, and I'm looking at him, and I'm kind of, oh, and I had a real brain fart. I'm thinking, wait, oh, hang on, he's the cop at the end of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then I looked him up, and he's been in the Shawshank Redemption, uh, the Mist. So he's a real Frank Darabond darling, yes. you could say. And of course, he yeah. was in, you know, he was in The Walking Dead as well, where most people will remember him from that, which was originally directed by Frank Darabont. So, um, yeah. Uh, but in you know, but that that moment where um, Jim shoots him at the end, um, where he you know he takes the shotgun and he shoots him, but originally. Uh, if what they they were just gonna have him just shoot him, he wasn't gonna like try and attack him or move to him because he jumps up at him um, yeah. in this. But they were originally gonna have him just to shoot him. So it's it would have I... been, been more honest. It, it would have been more honest. I think the ending for me is a little bit, you know, Halloween. Yes. You know, uh, is he dead? Is he? Why would you walk up to him? You don't know that he's dead. He could be faking it. Don't walk up to him. Oh God, don't walk up. But there's some. There was they. They made it to the point because he could have just lay there and pretended he was dead. Because yeah. Jim was walking away, but he actually took off his handcuffs and threw them at him to go. Nope, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, and the he, reason um, why they had to change it is other. They would have given this film an X rating. Oh, they okay. Given, they, they would have given the film really? an X. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, you really, know, somebody being torn apart with a with a truck, um, those kind of things. But you don't. But you don't see it. I think you know I can think I can think of a lot more violent. I think all the Friday the Thirteenth movies are a billion times more gory yeah. than this. You don't actually see the violence. You don't see the family getting but killed. But if you think about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you don't see anything in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, oh, the, the girl, the girl being put on the hook. You don't. Even, that's, but you, that's, ne- but you never see it. 
you you never no, see No, you don't her. actually see it. I, tr- that's true. I know I know that. But there is the bit where the old grandfather's like smacking her on the head at the dinner party and yeah. stuff. That I I I think it's because I mean, you know, Leatherface is wearing other people's faces, but that in this film in particular, they don't show him killing the cops. No. Nope. Oh, I tried to do a death count too, Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I lost count because I could I was starting to do a really good death count all the way through up until that whole business with the helicopter and the cop cars because I didn't know how many people were in the helicopter Yeah, and I didn't know if the, the people in the cop cars died well, well, we, or were just yeah. badly injured. So I gave up on the death count. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, that's fair yeah. enough. It, it's yeah. fairly high. But, yeah, no, they changed it because the, one of the big things, is obviously, is the hero um, should have some kind of justification for killing somebody. Um, mm. But it's that idea that he would just sort of he would then shoot him in cold blood. But if you think about the film and the, uh, about the idea of it being the sort of the the, the transition, uh, a, a story of change, well, actually, what we get then is Jim, does Jim become like John Ryder? Because he is now, he's gone from yeah. being, it, it's that, 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 that whole process of change. Um, but no, they had to change it. They had to make it look like that he was going to do something so that he could have the justification so that they could avoid an X rating for it. Yeah, under, is... understandably. I mean, I mean, personally, as I said, everyone everyone's going to do something different under these circumstances. You don't know how you're going to act. But when he was lying there, I just would have walked up with a shotgun, shot him straight in the back of the head. Yeah. But I've just watched too many movies. <laughs> um, you ain't getting up. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting up, honey. <laughs> I'm not taking that chance. Yeah. Um, but there, I, do, I completely agree with you. There is, you know, he's walking, he's turned his back on, Jim's turned his back yeah. on him. He's lying on the ground. He gets up, throws the thing and... Jim doesn't even hesitate. He just swings around, two shotguns straight to the body, yeah. and he's down to the count. And then we've got that lovely final scene where he's in the shadows, just <laughs> lighting up a cigarette, yeah. Um, yeah. just by the by the car, just lighting up a cigarette. And, and I agree. Now they did do a sequel to this. They did. Do you know about se- the sequel? I have no, not I haven't seen the sequel. I haven't seen it either. And see, Thomas Howell did return. It's called The Hitcher Two. I've been waiting. Uh, it's two, made in two thousand and three, but it was a director video release. Yeah, I mean, this is. So the I'm curious. Yeah, because maybe that answers. Did Jim turn into, you know, the the John Ryder character? Yeah, I mean, because like, you would be you would be messed up because Colonel came out when I was watching it for the last time, just as it was ending, and the first thing he said to me, he turned around and said. You'd be pretty fucked up after the, yeah. <laughs> after you'd gone through this for the last three days, wouldn't you? And I went, oh yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. It might, might leave a mark or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's psychology, like especially he got very fond of Nash. Yes. And even though he didn't see her death, he knows exactly what happened. That alone would mess people up. But what he's been through, knowing that a family was killed, even though he didn't like the, the children. Top, yeah, including the children. That's it. This look. This is not one for the kids, people. If you haven't seen this movie, but if you really like a really good suspenseful, full on, you know, in, in, you know, we're obviously sadly Brooke Howe is not with us anymore. Yeah. That was a real shock to me. That one. Yeah. You know how sometimes there's a celebrity that same with Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. someone dies, and Alan Rickman as well. You just go, oh, hang on. They're not old. Yeah. Although yeah. Rick Howard was in his 70s, I think. Yes. But still you go, no, that doesn't make any sense. And Rutger Howard was a big one for me. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we can't live forever, but, you know. 
in the I mean, see, Thomas Howell has got two hundred and fifteen acting credits to his name. Uh, I know. And in, uh, just a quick look now, Jake, Jake Busey plays the right the Jack Ryder role um, in uh, the sequel. Um, oh, so there's kind of like this morbid. I got a kind of like a morbid curiosity now just to see how much of a train wreck. Same, it is. Um, same. Let's do it here. Let's do it if we can get it. Let's just watch it out of curiosity. We won't podcast it, but we can at least talk to each other on Twitter yes. about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, this is, um, you know, I think it's very clear that we're both big fans of this. This is a film that is, um, I think it is, you know, like I said, it, you know, it is the road trip from hell movie, isn't it? And it's set, yes. and I think it sets, it sets the bar incredibly high. However, this film didn't do well on its release. No, it, it you know um, it made it made just just more than its budget back, but um, it didn't uh, it didn't do too well for some. No, it just and can, and can I say can I say and this is one of my many reasons and I stand on this hill. I hate professional movie critics. Oh, I God, really, yeah. I really do. And Siskel and Ebert might be my least favorite. They both gave this movie zero. Yeah, both yeah. of them. Yeah. Both of them. They said it should never have been. How can you, even if you don't really like the film, you can't give it zero. No, no. And just, I always... just based on the cinematography and the direction and the acting alone, even if you don't like the theme of the movie. But I, I, I tend to find, especially with Siskel and Ebert, they didn't like films that upset them. No. Oh, no. that's a bit upsetting. That's a bit disturbing. Well, so is life, guys. Yeah. So is life. I mean, you I, know? I've, I, I've got a pro. You know, I, lots of people love like Roger Ebert and, uh, and Gene Siskel. But I do have a big, I do have a problem with some of the, with, with the way in which they view film, they, they, they view cinema. Um, yeah. And th- it makes no rhyme or reason. Um, they that... they remind me of the, uh, the Voting Academy at the Academy Awards. That's yes. a nice film. We'll give that a thumbs up. Yes. That's a nice film. It wasn't upsetting. Let's have Chariots of Fire win over Raiders of the Lost Ark because, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark have got all those awful scenes of people being chewed up by propellers and all, oh, it's so upsetting yeah. and people's faces melting. Chariots of Fire have people running on the beach. Let's give that one the yes. Academy Award. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, well, I'm venting, but it's fine. just this is a it safe really, place when to I was share. reading up about Thank you. When I was reading up about this movie and I was reading through all the things and then it, the bit of trivia, Siskel and Abel, both, not even one of them stood on a hill and just went, oh, look, I'll give it three for cinematography and acting or whatever. No, 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 no. They both flat out gave it zero. So do not listen to them. We know that they didn't like a shitload of really good movies. Yes. Really, really good movies. They panned. They gave zero to. So, well, they're both dead now. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> just ignore it. Just Oh, oh, and I've got to tell you this, you. I don't know whether you noticed this. Angry Man and I in the Retro Cinema have this fun thing that we love doing, spotting stuntmen. Oh, yeah. Now, I know they're used, but sometimes they're just so obvious that you yes. can't. I, I'm going to quote Mannequin on the bike riding. <laughs> Watch Mannequin. Get, it's, not, doesn't even, it's not even the same size as, as Andrew McCarthy. It's no. this big dude. It doesn't look a thing like him. Um, another one is in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. When Eddie Murphy's character throws uh, that guy over the table. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. Colonel made a gif of it. It's that bad. Colonel yeah. made a gif of it. <laughs> well, in, in the scene, the gas station where the truck bursts through. Yes. It's this big dude. It's this big stuntman yeah. to see Thomas Howell yeah. that takes the role for him or whatever. And it just stood out like dog's balls. And the more I watched it, the more I'm going, oh, seriously? Like even in ed- in editing, wouldn't you just go, 
okay, the stuntman's really obvious. We're just going to cut this scene down a bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a bit obvious. Because all these films, especially as you were talking about film, have got, have got to be stringently edited and looked over. So why that? They go, oh, yeah, people won't notice. Well, we do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do. And I mean, I'm, you know, I've sort of, there's been a number, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just finishing up my short film now. And there, there are things in that I've gone. Oh, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> oh, my God. God, how did I how's miss that? How's it going? How's it, how's it going? It, it is ninety nine point nine percent done. I am Excellent. ready. I am. It, it's. It, I'm just sort of tinkering with you it. You happy now. with it? Um, I've, I'm at the point now where I'm very, very proud of it. Um, Good. It's a, and I'm sort of everybody who's sort of um, involved in it gave a hundred and ten percent. It looked. It, it does. It look, you know, considering it was made for about three pound fifty and a packet of crisps. Um, <laughs> It looks good. Um, I, I'm, I'm just sort of tinkering with it, but I'm at that point where I've kind of lost all objectivity with it, and I just wanted. Oh, to Oh, that happens. You know. Yeah. But there are th- yeah. you know there are things, and I'm, obviously I'm nowhere near on the same sort of you know where you go. Oh, how did I miss that? Oh, mm. I missed. That. And no, and sometimes you can get so close in this, but I think sometimes yeah. when you do see the stunt double and everything else, you've only got one shot at it. You've only got that one shot on that day because time is ticking. Uh, it's the, you know, See, it's the... if, it's, if it was my film, I'd be like, just cut it out. Yeah. Just cut it out. And I'm, like... and I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but I know, especially with viewing audiences now, the minute that people could start getting the movies and watching them at home and pausing them, uh, trading yeah. places anyone, basic yes. instinct anyone, yes. um, the minute <laughs> everyone could do that, and especially now with Blu-rays and real, the real high def and, you know, things are looking crystal clear. Um, and I know these was this was in the 80s. No one had any idea. Uh, basically, I think what for a lot of us it was beta. For some people, it was VHS. Yeah. That was just in its infancy, really. Yeah. Um, and they were hard to pause. The minute you pause one of those things, just had that static. Yes, <laughs> thing the screen shaking. <laughs> yeah, this is just the shaking screen, so you really couldn't like pause it and pick it. Um, but yeah, now these days, so that's the sort of stuff that I'd be like, yeah, I'd rather not have it in the movie. Yeah. Than, but but then again, it amuses it amuses us. And I think it amuses people when you can can play spot the stuntman, and yeah. it's really obvious. And I, I mean, yeah. the other great one, of course, is um, you know whenever you look at some of the older episodes of Star Trek, and you see like William Shatner's stunt <laughs> doubles popping up in that. That's that's always that, that's always interesting. <laughs> that's it's fun. Yes, it's fun. So I'll get, I'll get Colonel to make a gift of that, so we can get, start getting a collection together. There's the spots. There's the stunt man. See that, that itself could be a, tw- a Twitter, a, a, its own Twitter feed is spot the stunt man. Oh my god! So it could, that could be its own, its own podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. That stunt, yeah, spot the stunt man. That that could be its own podcast. Just a just a short twenty minute podcast on where you can spot the stunt man because it's it's great fun game to play. But yeah. this is. Look, I could I could say about this movie, it's a great fun movie, but it's a great fun movie for people that are not worried about watching a movie like this, where there are some full on disturbing scenes. Yeah, but you enjoy them, and both you and I enjoy horror movies. Yes, uh, I don't I don't mind gory movies. I don't mind slasher films. Hell, I've watched a Serbian film, so anything else is good under that. Mm. Um, so. Uh, you know, for this, this is a really well-made, intelligent, really well-written movie, and just 
credit. And I'm a huge Jennifer Jason Lee fan as well. She, I, and she's I, she, wonderful in this. She's absolutely wonderful in it. She's so natural. She's a very, very natural actress. And I loved her in Single White Female. She plays a complete psycho bitch yes, in that. Um, yes. uh, she was great in Dolores Claiborne. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah, More people need yeah. to see that. She was yeah. Selena in that. Uh, she started off, of course, in Fast Times with Richmond High in 1982. Yeah. Uh, she was gang raped in Last Exit to Brooklyn, if I remember. She, her name was Tralala. Yes. In that, have you ever seen yeah, that? In 1989. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of a full on movie, too. She doesn't scare away from these type of roles and these type of films. Nope. No, um, she and she's just so natural. And she still looks great, too, by the way. She still looks fabulous. And she's, just, she's a proper actress. And it's not a massive role in this. No. Um, and she's but you, wonderful. But you do in the feel hateful for hate. her. She's probably the oh, best. Oh, so thing. good! I think she's one of the best things in the Hateful League. Because I'm not definitely, a, I'm not a definitely fan of that film. No, I'm not either. I'm I'm not either. It could actually have been a stage play, I think. Um, but she's fantastic in it. And again, she's like Sam Rockwell, and she's like they're just good in everything they're in. Yes, they give it a hundred percent. That's their job, and they do it properly, and they they put all the effort into it. And you know, you do feel it, another movie that this reminded me. A little tiny bit of is um, a Belgrade Russian war movie called Come and See. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you've taken the innocent boy at the beginning of the movie and by the end he's a hardened man, Yeah, a damaged, hardened man. Yeah. And it's a story of that. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, that's pretty much all I can say. But I, I just really I, thank you for letting me watch this. Not letting me, but no, saying <laughs> – Let's let's do the headshot. And I'm like, yeah. yay, I get to watch it again. I really hadn't seen it since the 80s, but I remembered a lot more than I thought and I'd forgotten a lot more than yeah. I thought. Oh, yeah, and absolutely, it, absolutely. And, yeah. and again, when you go back and you watch it every time, there is something new to it. There is something new. It's, absolutely. Uh, so time for scores on the doors. What would you give the hitcher? Uh Out of what? Out of 10. Out of 10, I, I would actually give this a really solid eight and a half. I certainly wouldn't give it zero, Siskel and Ebert. Um, <laughs> I would give this, I'd give it an eight and a half. Maybe when I saw it back in the 80s, it might have been around a seven, but it's gone up in my standing because yeah. I, I forgot how good this film was. Yeah. So it's what about eight, you? It's an eight and a half for me. It's eight and a half yeah. for me. I think it's absolutely superb. And it's, I think it's one of those films that just sort of, it, it needs to be watched and you can admire it on multiple levels. You can look at it from the idea that it's sort of, um, I think it's the closest thing we, you, you're going to get to a Peckinpah movie that's not made by yes. Sam Peckinpah. Um, yes, I agree. I think you're going to have, um, you know, you can look at it like, um, you can look at it from the, the sort of, you know, the subtext of it being the journey of a young man being taken and then sort of his innocence being taken away from him. Um, mm -hmm. You can look at it just from the idea of, of it just being a, a horror slash thriller movie. Um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful film with superb performances. Because I think yep. this, you know, if in the hands of other directors, other actors, other writers, other cinematographers, I think it could have quite easily been. Um, it could have been quite. Corny? Yes, it could have quite easily yeah. been mishandled. And if you think yep. about the sort of the influence that this film has had on films like Breakdown. Um, you know, this is you know this this, this Hitchcock esque Thelma and Louise, Thelma and Louise. You know, all yeah. all the all those sort of it's, uh, California again. Yeah. Um, it's it's had it, and it's not the first movie to do this horror on the road sort of type of thing. I did mention Duel, yeah. but it certainly uh, set the precedent regarding, um, you know, the the 
don't don't put people in. Don't pick up people. There no, you go. Don't pick that's up that's our message. Don't don't pick up hitchhikers. Just don't. Just, if, you, if you feel sorry for them, throw them some money out so they get a bus or a taxi <laughs> or something like that. Seriously. And and if you want an endorsement for this endorsement for this film, yeah. writer, producer, and director Christopher Nolan has listed this as one of his favorite movies of all time. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, and I think. So, That's, yeah, there we are. What a note! <laughs> what a note to end on. Honestly, Gidget, thank you so much for being on. It's been great. It's been. We, we're going to have to make sure that you're on again very, very soon. It's been far too long. Oh, please, please, please! And you're going to come over and yes. uh, yeah, guests on Retro Cinema very, very yes, soon. Which... So we've got it. We've got to sort that out. We'll, we'll keep what we're talking about just as a bit of a surprise. Yeah. But he's going to come over for the first time and guest on the Retro Cinema. So yes. that'll be brilliant. I'm looking forward mm. to it. Gidget, yep. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You take oh, care. Oh, dude, you're a joy. Oh, I thank you. I'm blushing. Thank you and <laughs> stay safe. Thank you so much, Hugh, and everyone over there. Stay safe. Everyone all over the world, stay safe and go and see The Hitcher. <laughs> Once again, I want to say a big thank you to Gidget for being on and she's going to be back very, very soon. Last time she was almost episode 38 where we did Fright Night, so that was a while ago now, so... Uh, I can't believe it's episode 71 already. No! Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for not quite what the Wookiee watched, but what I have are five recommendations for you guys to check out for horror movies from the 1960s. Now, lots of you may have seen these. Some of you may have not seen them, but have heard about them, but would like to check them out. And these are some of my, not my, like, like I said before, not like my top five but films that I really, really uh, enjoy um, and I'm quite impressed with and things that you guys uh, could go back and definitely check out because they are definitely worth a look. So, up first, we have got Carnival of Souls. Let's check out the trailer. Good luck, Mary. Stop by and see us the next time you're in. Thank you, but I'm never coming back. I don't know about that girl. How do you mean? Day before yesterday, she was the only one of three girls to survive an accident. It makes she feel a little something. Maybe in her place, I'd do the same thing. Just pick up life again. But I still say she's behaving strangely. I have no desire for the close company of other people. My dear, you cannot live in isolation from the human race. You... Who's the man in the hall? Maybe you heard the boards pop or something. I didn't hear you, Mrs. Thomas. I saw him. There's nobody there. He's been following me. That's all there is to it. That old pavilion out by the lake, somehow you associate it with all this, don't you? There was someone else there. That strange man was there. Hysteria won't solve anything. Now control yourself. You think I imagined all of it, don't you? You think I'm insane? I didn't say that. I don't mean that. That's just what I need. Get mixed up with some girls off a rocker. I don't want to be left alone. Well, if she's got a problem, it'll go right along with her. Oh, 
Okay, that was the trailer for Carnival of Souls. Now, Carnival of Souls came out in 1962. It was directed by Herc Harvey, um, with a screenplay written by John Clifford. It starred Candice Hillgross, uh, Sidney Berger, Francis Feast, and Stanley Leavitt. Um, now, this at times feels like quite an experimental film um, and sort of takes on, you know, lots of the characters have some quite um, sort of cryptic dialogue at times and sort of does tap into sort of that Jacob's Ladder, Six Sensey kind of feel to it. Um, and it follows the story of um, uh, Mary Henry, um, her character is involved in a drag race accident her car plunges over the edge uh, into a river um, and she sort of emerges hours later um, and it sort of it goes on from there this like I said this is wonderfully creepy it's it is it's it's quite difficult to sort of decipher at times, but I love this film. It is wonderful. Um, it's in the public domain, oddly enough, um, and it's available on YouTube. Now, I'm not going to give too much away about this one, um, but there's a, there's some fantastic scares in this, um, and there's some really, really creepy, 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 creepy moments in it. Um, and I really, really enjoy this one, and I can't recommend it enough. I'm sure it's one of those films that we're going to go back and sort of... Um, dig into in a bit more detail later on um but there are great moments in it where you don't quite know whether the lead character whether she's you know sort of uh, whether she's um mad or uh, is dead it, it's a honestly it just go and check it out it is absolutely superb i really 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 cannot recommend this one enough so that is carnival of souls from 1962 <laughs> Okay, up next we have got a hammer horror for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, The Curse of the Werewolf from 1960. Let's check out the trailer. The Curse of the Werewolf that was laid on a baby who grew into a man possessed by a monster. Spanish town, the night brought drinking and dancing, music and girls, and the moon. The full moon that turned an innocent man into a savage beast. The curse of the werewolf, a man possessed by a desperate need for love, who found in Christina all the passionate sincerity of youth. Christina, do you love me? Will you marry me, Christina? You say you love me, but will you marry me? Yes. Yes, I will.
Okay, that was the trailer for The Curse of the Werewolf from 1960, directed by one of my favourite Hammer directors, Terence Fisher. Um, this stars Oliver Reed. Uh, who better than... A perfect casting to play a werewolf, Oliver Reed. Um, Yvonne Raymond, Catherine Feller and Clifford Evans. And this one... Um, it's pretty dark. It's it's really dark. Um, and essentially, what we've got is a um, a, a beggar approaches um, a marquis, I suppose, in Spain. Um, in the I think it's the 18th, it's set in the eighteenth century. Correct me if I'm wrong. But this beggar uh, approaches the marquis on his wedding day. The marquis gets offended, throws this beggar into the cells. And completely forgets about him. Where this, uh, where years later, where later on, a um, a servant girl sort of uh, accidentally goes into the cells, and is then raped by the feral beggar, who uh, she manages to escape, um, and her sort of child is then taken in. Um, by a couple who raise the child as their own. Um, and the child is then played in adult life by Oliver Reed, uh, by the name of Leon. Um, and this is this is, this is is a wonderful Hammer film. Um, it looks stunning. It really, really does look absolutely stunning. It's It's got really, really good, strong imagery on it. Um, I think this was loosely based on... Um, the, a novel called The Werewolf of Paris. I think it's loosely based on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody can let me know if I'm wrong, but, but you can. But I think it's based loosely on The Werewolf of Paris. I remember reading it somewhere. Um, but Oliver Reed is fantastic in this. He's absolutely superb. Um, and like I say, you know, I've always said, felt that Oliver Reed um, should have been a much bigger star than he was because he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, but go and check this one out. I think it's available. No, I know it is. It's available on Amazon Prime. Um, so you can go and check that out. But it's a wonderful, wonderful addition to the Hammer um, anthology or anthology. I don't, what, what am I saying? I've had a lot of coffee. Um, into the canon of horror movies. This is it, It's a great film. Um, but go and check it out. Okay, up next we have got... Onibaba from 1964. Let's check out the trailer.
That was the trailer for Unibaba from 1964. Now, this was directed by Kaneta Shinda. And this, I suppose, is or was the first um, Japanese horror film that got a wide release in the West. Um, and it follows the story of a mother and daughter who um, um, essentially murder um fleeing samurai after a battle and steal their things um and which is just it is it, very macabre in itself um but the daughter then falls in love with a young man and the mother is deeply jealous of this and in order to try and sort of drive them apart puts on the mask of one of the dead samurai that um and um this sort of it really doesn't become you sort of um it's sort of quite hard to describe actually so it's a, again it's a slow build but it's beautiful to look at it's absolutely beautiful and, and again that sort of it's history that this film is its history is steeped within the kabuki theater tradition and the use of the mask and there's beautiful wide shots in this and the you know the the mother and daughter live in this swamp sort of area and it's so well shot and it's all wind windswept and very 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 atmospheric and then the final scenes of this film are truly truly horrific um i love this film it is it's superb and if you have an interest in uh, japanese horror um, and you haven't seen this please 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 go and see this but it's a great gateway into that specific genre of films I love this film. It is beautiful to look at. It is harrowing at times. Um, it's wonderful, to sh wonderfully acted. Um, it's dark. It's gritty. It's it, it's wonderful. Check it out, Onibaba. And I think it's available. No, it is available on the BFI player. So definitely go and see that one. Okay, up next we have got The Wizard of Gore from 1968. Let's check out the trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. The announcement that I am about to make has been made only twice before in motion picture history. Each time it has preceded the showing of scenes from motion pictures which have become regarded as the most unusual of their type ever filmed. Now we make this announcement for the third time. The same production team that made the classic movie Blood Feast and later a film called The Gruesome Twosome, which some regard as the wildest movie ever filmed, have a new movie geared to the 1970s. We are about to show you a few scenes of this movie, which is called The Wizard of Gore. For those of you who appreciate this type of cinematic art, you will see the most startling scenes of their type ever filmed. But. For those of you with heart conditions, or who are with young and impressionable children, we ask that you turn around in your seats, or leave this auditorium for the next two minutes. Thank you. I am Montag, master of illusion. Your eyes may see, but your mind may refuse to believe. 
Okay, that was part of the trailer for The Wizard of Gore because I think it goes on for about eight minutes or something like that. Um, yes, uh, The Wizard of Gore is uh, from 1968 and it was directed by the legendary Gore Master himself, the originator of the of the Gore movie, um, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, essentially, this follows uh, Montag the Magnificent. Uh, he has a stage show that has a little bit of a difference. Um, when he saw somebody in half, um, actually what happens then is their wounds then appear an hour later. Also, um, this is very much in the style of the Grand Guignol Theatre, um, which I love. I love the Grand Guignol. That idea of that horror cinema being reenacted live in front of you. Um, this is gory. It is lurid. It's silly. And the dialogue is absolutely ridiculous um, at times. Um, it can... Uh, at times seem a little sort of, um, I don't know, simple in its approach. But this is a wonderfully, wonderfully silly film. And if you're, if you want, to, if you're interested in the gore elements of horror, then this is where it's a great place to go back and look at and see where it all began. Um, but obviously, this is it, it's very silly. It's very, very silly at times. Um, it's got great 60s fashion in this. Absolutely wonderful 60s fashion. Um, but, um, yeah, don't expect Shakespeare because you're not going to get it. Okay? But definitely go back and check it out. That's The Wizard of Gore from 1968. Okay, up next we have got The Fall of the House of Usher from 1960. Let's check out the trailer. genius of Edgar Allan Poe could knit them so closely together. The burning passions of the purest of loves. The deadly passions of the madly prurient. Madeline, you're leaving this house with me tomorrow. Only I could. For hundreds of years, evil thoughts and evil deeds have been committed within these walls. The house itself is evil now. Here they all are. Ashes. This is monstrous. It waits for me, because very soon I shall be dead. Oh, Madeline, come away with me now. You buried your own sister alive? I did. A 
But she's dead now. The master hand of the macabre creates its masterpiece. Okay, that was the trailer for The House of Usher, also known as The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, And that was from 1960. It was directed by the legendary Roger Corman uh, with a screenplay from the the phenomenal Richard Matheson based on Edgar Allan Poe's uh, novel, of course. Um, What a combination. Corman, Poe, Matheson. And then you throw in Vincent Price um in there now this is it's i went back and watched it a couple of weeks ago actually and it's surprisingly slow at times which did shock me but it's still um it sets the template for all of the poe movies that corman would go on to direct after this um it's wonderfully gothic it's got fantastic um lighting in it the costuming is wonderfully stagey um prices i don't i think this is right up there with his before with all of his performance i seem to say that an awful lot whenever i talk about vincent price or peter cushion or christopher lee but this is right up there with them um this is the template for everything that would come after um for the poe movies i love this film it's available last time i checked it, i think it was available i can't remember if i watched it on netflix or on um amazon prime but i also have it on dvd as i, I got i've got the collection um this is just a phenomenal film um you, if you're a fan of gothic horror then you must go back and check this i'm not going to sort of over egg the pudding or anything else but go back and see a price has never been better um this is wonderfully sinister it is slow though so just so do be warned about that but it's wonderful go back and check it out go back and check that out okay ladies and gentlemen our time has drawn to an end i know i know all fleeting time is fleeting as the song goes um but please remember guys to stay safe out there make sure that we're washing our hands we're socially distancing we're only leaving home unless we absolutely need to unless we got we have to go to work or we have to get uh, shopping in or we have to you know get medication those kind of things please stay safe you wonderful 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 people again i want to say thank you to gidget for being on and in the immortal words of Count Dracula. Good night out there, whatever you are.